Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, the SEC is cracking down on crypto. That's the headline. But the question is. Are they getting ahead of themselves? Should they be cracking down? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Well, that is the headline. The SEC is going to crack down on crypto. Are they getting ahead of themselves? Many people in the industry are complaining that there aren't any real rules for them to work with, uh, only threats of penalties. Uh, So how do we strike the right balance? This is an important one in terms of regulation and innovation. Uh, really critical there, and we're very pleased to have joining us James Chernofsky, uh, who's a senior policy analyst in technology and innovation at Americans for Prosperity. James, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Let's let's dive into this. Uh, of course, there's always hand wringing as soon as we mention the regulatory world word, and rightly so. Uh, also, we do know we need to make sure we have the right kind of disciplines and protections in place. But tell us where are we, uh, especially as it relates to cryptocurrency. Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's one that a lot of people are interested in following right now. Whether you're an industry or you're somebody that's just a, a hobbyist that loves their crypto. And right now in the United States, the, the reality is that there's not a lot of clarity surrounding what the guidance should be when it comes to how companies should handle crypto, what kinds of obligations, disclosures, et cetera, that they should be following. Like there are definitely rules on the books, but how how cleanly they apply to digital assets isn't exactly clear. So that's what the industry's been looking for for the longest time now. But the SEC underneath the chairmanship of uh, Mr. Gensler has certainly failed to do this right now. And what he has erred to do is actually beef up enforcement actions against companies and try to force every single company to come and work with the SEC, uh, which isn't exactly conducive to an overarching business environment. That, that definitely creates like a mother may I approach. And that's not what we want to encourage. We want to encourage, you know, our regulators to be more of a, a guide, if you will, and have you know, the ability to help companies get on their way to do things, not go and serve as an arbiter with a hammer, seeing everything at the nail and just trying to punish everybody. Yeah, and that does seem to be the the real challenge there that a lot of those in the industry uh, are saying, hey, you know, you can't just come in with that hammer. Uh, you got to give us some guidance on the front end so we can know what to do, uh, but also be able to do it in a way that isn't, uh, I, I like your mother may I approach uh, because nothing will stifle innovation more than if a business is so worried that they are unable to act or innovate uh, for fear of getting sideways and then ending up in you know all of the things that cost a lot of money and often end up killing business. No, you're absolutely right. That's one of the biggest problems that companies are facing right now. And you know the problem is that a lot of states have companies that are attracting crypto 
business-oriented uh, businesses that want to be able to do something. And if there's this lack of leadership from the SEC or other regulators, because as we talked about before, it's not just the SEC that's trying to get into this business. You have Treasury, you have the Comptroller of Currency, you have the Commodities Futures and Trading Commission, right? There are many, many different people trying to get their hands into this crypto cookie jar. And it's very bad for business when that's the case. So we definitely need some clarity here. I think that if we want to have a, a situation where companies can be successful, it needs to be a very collaborative and open process that serves as a guidance, not as a punitive measure. Yeah, one of the things that you uh, mentioned in your piece is uh, is really trying to figure this whole thing out uh, in terms of where the power and authority lies. Uh, and uh, you mentioned at one point that uh, that the chair, uh, Mr. Gensler, doesn't even have to consult with the commission uh, or ask for a vote to implement implement something that could even be really significant policy. Yeah, it's a very big problem, right? So when Chairman Gensler announced that he was doubling the size of his crypto uh, task force unit, that's not something that has to go through an ordinary process that we would see with an agency when it wants to go through a rulemaking process or something on that nature. That's, you know, because the chairman has control of the budget, he has control of staffing, so he has the ability to do all that unilaterally without the other members of the you know commission having to weigh in per se, right? So that becomes actually pretty problematic, especially when he's beefing up uh, a division within the SEC that's tasked with doing enforcement actions. Again, that's that's something that's going to stymie companies from engaging in activity overarching when what they get in the letter isn't like, hey, we want to go and talk with you. It's, hey, stop this or we're going to sue you. That's very problematic, and that's something that, again, I think that we have to be very wary of when we're talking about the SEC. Yeah. Uh, one of the other things you point out, James, that uh, I'd love to have you just uh, expand on just a little bit, and that is this idea of we often talk about responsible innovation, uh, but we don't always talk about responsible regulation at the same time. How do we balance those? Yeah, I think that that's a very great point. That's something that Commissioner Peirce mentioned in her interview that I think was actually quite enlightening. I think that we need to think through uh, about responsible regulation because innovation, is, it can happen, but it can get stymied if we have irresponsible regulations in place that either serve as a barrier to entry or just really inflate you know, these, these compliance costs to a point where only big players can actually take advantage of the system that's being put in place. So I think if we can go and foster a good set of regulations where everybody knows what the rules of the road are, then no one is going to be surprised you know, when they're driving on the road, as Commissioner Pierce goes and says, uh, and they get pulled over for something uh, by the SEC. It's not that they should be, should be driving on the road and they get pulled over for something that they didn't even know was there because the SEC just decided to go and act on it today kind of thing. There's a better way of going about that. Enforcement is one tool in their toolkit. But, you know, trying to promulgate responsible regulations that are not meant to go and create artificial barriers to entry that are meant to be, you know, protecting consumers, yeah. but also sitting there and, and letting these companies function, I think is very important. And that's the kind of balance we need to continue to strive for and push for and hold these guys accountable to. Yeah, I'd love to get your take on this, James. Uh, we often criticize Congress. You know, Congress will pass the we shall have awesome crypto regulations bill uh, and everyone will cheer. Uh, and then you actually look at the bill and it and it says we hereby, you know, bequeath to uh, some eight random agency, alphabet soup agency, uh, to decide what that awesome crypto uh, system is and what it means, how to enforce it and to decide what the penalties are and then to actually carry out those penalties. Uh, what does Congress have to do uh, in all of this to make sure we get 
again, the right balance uh, in terms of regulation and, and proper control and uh, also making sure we're, we're getting it where we're not just passing on uh, big swaths of authority to unelected people uh, to carry out. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think the uh, the administrative state is certainly something that's always prevalent in the mind of conservatives, and rightfully so. Unaccountable bureaucrats are, are certainly known to go and kind of go above and beyond what their intended uh, scope of authority is supposed to be, uh, which one could argue the SEC is doing right now. So you definitely, I'm always wary about giving power to executive agencies to carry out uh, the, the intent of Congress. But the problem that also happens is that Congress is not an expert in everything. Uh, but I think that there are ways that we can craft legislation that certain members of Congress are trying to go and, you know, hammer out that can go and try to set up some of the basic parameters of what is acceptable and not acceptable and try to tailor the direction of what these alphabet soup agencies are able to do. And furthermore, too, I think even like the simplest thing that could be uh, something that Congress is looking at doing right now, which there certainly is legislation that aims to do this, is just clarifying the authority question. Mm-hmm. Again, like I mentioned at the outset, you have so many different alphabet soup agencies that are trying to put their hands in the crypto cookie jar that it's going to be extraordinarily problematic if you think that you're complying with the SEC only to get a letter from the CFTC or the OCC, depending on the kinds of goods and services that you're offering that they think is within their jurisdiction. So if there's some way that we can go and mitigate that risk, that I think can go a long way towards resolving some of these conflicts that we're seeing pop up early and often. Yeah, and then final question for you, James, as you look at uh, what lies ahead, uh, again, how we balance this responsible innovation and responsible regulation. What are you watching for uh, that we should be thinking about uh, as it relates to the crypto industry? Yeah, that's 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 definitely a great question. I think right now the most pressing thing that there seems to be a lot of appetite for uh, in general is just looking at the governance of, of what are called stable coins. So basically you put a dollar into the stable coin, it's worth a dollar and it's just used as a medium of exchange between different cryptocurrencies. That seems to be the biggest kind of thing that has a lot of momentum behind it right now. But again, because of the nature of it being a digital asset, there's not a lot of clarity. So I imagine that what we can see on the congressional level uh, at some point here within the next year or two is trying to tackle the stable coins question and have some better rules governing that. So that's at least something where I think we can hopefully get some clarity and I'll take anything above and beyond that, too. <laughs> oh, fantastic. James Chernofsky, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, again, uh, James uh, is a policy analyst in technology and innovation at Americans for Prosperity. James, thanks for joining us today. All right, we'll set aside for a quick commercial break. More Inside Sources coming up next. With Boyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, We're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. 
follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.